Hey, 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 it's your man Uncle Dub, and I'm back. And just in time for the start of college football season, I can't wait. I'm excited. We've already started. I'm I'm so hyped. I'm just ready to get the show started. So we're going to get on with this. We got some breaking news to talk about. But before we get started and hit the drop, I got one question for you. Did you miss me? with a few things but i am currently in the temporary home the temporary new home of the sports wagon podcast but nevertheless i hope you all are doing well um you know the world hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot you know we're still dealing with this pandemic you know delta variant is out there it's getting you know it's making life difficult again and you know just doesn't really seem to be any movement from trying to get relief on this but you know we'll take a time some time out here we'll talk a little sports um, so before we get into everything else, uh, as I'm scrolling Twitter this morning, you know, I see a report and then I'm going, OK, the source wasn't as uh, reliable as I would consider it to be. And then, of course, all the reliable sources start tweeting this out. Um, Cam Newton, uh, probably, about, probably about 45 minutes to an hour ago at this point, because this is about almost 1130 on Tuesday, August 31st. Uh, was, was released by the Patriots, Mac Jones, the uh, rookie from Auburn. Uh, I'm sorry, Alabama, rather, <laughs> will be the starter. So, you know, as we know, Cam's an Auburn guy. But it's interesting because if you look at Mac Jones versus Cam Newton, you know, a couple things stand out. Number one, the stats for Mac Jones were much better, you know, in, the, in a few preseason games that they had. Um, you know, Cam's out here wilding, you know, that whole, you know, with the COVID protocols. I don't think he's vaccinated. And I believe he missed some time due to COVID. So it's kind of like, you know, I guess he's thinking to himself, okay, you know, I'm the guy. I've got the pedigree. You know, I should be the starter. He missed a little time. Matt goes out there, shows master and command the offense, has better stats, and here's what you get. So Cam Newton's looking for a home. And and, and, and I would think that the, um, the response to this, from New England fans is probably mixed. I'm sure a lot of them prior going, well, you know, he isn't, he didn't really pan out to be the guy we thought he was, which, you know, in looking at it, you know, you think, well, he kind of wasn't. Um, but yet he's looking for a new home. I'm sure someone will pick him up. I don't think he will be unemployed for very long, but you know, it kind of shows that, you know, just because you are the incumbent in the job. And then of course, Mac Jones, has been someone who I, from what I, from what I've observed, he's been someone who has 
essentially been an underdog. You know, I mean, he, um, you know, got the job um, at Alabama. He was the he was the scout team quarterback. He's out there showing off. I think I told you the story about I read an article. He was showing off and um, Saban, you know, was unleashing his wrath on him like, you know, hey, you're throwing these bombs. You're making my defense look bad. And he's kind of going, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm Just because I'm a scout team quarterback doesn't mean I'm a scrub. So just kind of being that guy and kind of, I guess, standing up to Saban. I mean, I, I mean, it's one, I guess when you've seen Saban on the sideline, he can unleash on you. And I guess he's been probably one, at least one player from Alabama that I've heard of who can kind of throw it back at Saban. And he did it. And people were kind of going, okay, what the heck is going on here? But yet he won the job. He had a great season last year, finishing up at Alabama. He threw to the Heisman Trophy winner. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. So, I mean, he's just quiet. He quietly, I think, went out, did what he's supposed to do, because I don't think a lot of people thought, you know, people knew he, people knew he's talented, but I don't think many, many thought maybe it would work out this way, but it did. But again, you have to put some of this on Cam Newton, because I think he kind of sort of, you know, kind of did some things that kind of let Matt Jones kind of sneak in and take the job. So um, we'll see how it goes. But um, again, Cam Newton released by the Patriots. Um, and, um, you know, we, we're just going to see what's going to happen for him next. Uh, while we're on NFL, so we know the season will kick off September 9th, Thursday night, um, 8.20 on NBC. So Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys will visit the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that will kick off the season uh, in a week from this coming Thursday because we are a day from September, which, yay, my favorite month of the year. My birthday's coming up. So, um some other quick news and notes before we get into college football, because I'm going to make one of my picks for the week because we got a Thursday night game. It's a big Thursday night game. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, Raja Rondo, Rondo, Rajon Rondo signs with the Lakers one year, $2.6 million. So he will be getting money from his Memphis deal. So he's going to make a boatload of money. He'll go back to Los Angeles. He's going to back up at the guard position. So that's Russ, um, uh, LeBron James, he's going to kind of be in that mix for those guys. So the, <laughs> the L.A. Lakers, to me, look very much like an all-star team. I mean, with all the talent they have. And I said it jokingly on Twitter. And, you know, I was I, you know, I got the stats, which made sense that, you know, typically when you get a group of guys together, I think the stat was presented to me like when you get a first time group of guys together with that much talent, they typically historically it's been shown that they didn't win titles and i get that statistics typically and data show us typically show us the way now when i saw all of the goings on that happened in free agency in the nba i kind of quietly um observed this i'm thinking to myself okay you know can, can we just give the lakers and my joke was on twitter was can we just give the lakers a trophy now because again this is this is crazy now here you're going to hear the people who are going to complain about, oh, it's a super team and this, that and the third. And my whole thing is this, because I'm going to talk about Russell Westbrook briefly. So people were upset and still to this day about Kevin Durant going to Golden State and winning a title. And, oh, it's a super team. OK, listen, here's what I don't understand. If you go play professional basketball, you, you know, your goal when you play at any level is to win championships. You know, if you 
aspire to, you know, play at a high level. You know, if you play in high school, okay, you might be lucky enough to play on a great team that wins a championship or a good team or the team that was good at that time. If you go to college, you have the opportunity to play for a national title, potentially. Okay, you don't win it, that's fine. But in the NBA, the, I guess the expectation is different. That people look at these players. There's so many great players that never won a ring. And there's so many great players now who still don't have one. But when these players make a conscious decision, they'll say, I'm going to go join X team and win a title. Then people are like, well, that's kind of unfair. Why did you join this great team? That's obvious. Okay, what's what's the decision here? Either you're going to judge this particular player by the simple fact that, oh, they had a great career. They got all these stats, but they never won a ring. So some people judge the the worthiness of a player to enter the hall of fame by the fact they won a championship or didn't win a championship or they take into consideration okay here are the stats here's what they did you know mvps defensive players of years whatever but they never won a ring so it's either you let this player do what they need to do to win a ring or you don't judge them harshly when they don't win one my whole thing is if russell westbrook wins a ring on this team I'm happy for him because, again, it completes what is the goal of what I hope is the goal of every professional athlete. That is to win a championship, whether you're in the NBA, the NFL, NHL, wherever you are, your goal is to win a championship. Now, how you do it, I don't care. I I personally do not care. When they had that super team in Golden State, I wasn't mad. I was like, okay, you know, they did it in Miami, they did it in Golden State. You know, I mean, back in the day. The Boston, the Boston Celtics back in the day. Are you freaking kidding me? It's like they just look so unbeatable. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if for those of you who remember those teams and now at that time, you know, that was a great divide. Either you rooted for Boston or you were for L.A. I was an L.A. guy. I rooted for L.A. back in those days. It went Magic and, you know, Showtime and Magic and Coop and James Worthy. All of, I rooted for the Lakers because I didn't like the Celtics. Don't get me wrong. I mean. I mean, nowadays, it's not like that for me. But nevertheless, these were two of your super teams. But people get so in their feelings about super teams. Oh, well, this player is going to win a championship. Well, isn't it what you want him to do? Because, again, he's going to get criticized if he doesn't win a championship. So that's my thought. But I really need to hear, and I'm going to, and, and, and I plan to do this. I definitely want to have a, uh, a super fans Lakers show. So I'm going to work on that because I want to hear more. I actually want to talk this out. I want to hear more about kind of the, the goings on of, you know, what's happening with the Lakers, you know, lineups and things of that nature. So I do definitely want to have some conversations about that. Um, another uh, quick news and notes, the U S open started yesterday. So they had 32 um, singles, men and 32 women singles matches yesterday. Um, it caught my eye because um, I look at the scoreboard at ESPN and I see Madison Keys versus Sloane Stevens. And I say, wait, is this a championship match? And then looking at the calendar, I go, oh, crap, the U.S. Open started today. These two are playing in the first round. If you remember, well, about three or four years ago, they were playing in the championship. This is bizarre. So I don't know. At the time, I think Sloane Stevens was leading. I don't know who won the match, but um, I'll have to look and see that and I'll update us open probably uh early next week because you know we're just getting started i don't really see any um huge um, um any any huge uh, 
you know, whatever happening early, because again, it's just these early matches. Um, couple things. One thing of note, the Williams sisters are not in the tournament at all. So neither Williams sister is in the tournament. That hasn't happened since who knows when, who knows when, but it's been a very long time since neither Serena nor Venus was in the U S open. Um, on the men's side, which I don't talk a lot of men's tennis, but I kind of wanted to talk about this because this seems to be um, a a thing <laughs> at every tournament. Um, if you watch men's tennis, you're familiar with the name Nick Kyrgios. So he's Australian. Um, and of course, it seems like at every tournament, whether it be a major or any of the you know tournaments on the on the circuit, it seems as if he manages to exude and exhibit very bad behavior so apparently he had at least two or three meltdowns over a whole bunch of ridiculous stuff um during his u.s open match he he got hammered he lost badly so he's out in the first round he lost to uh, a gentleman from spain but you know it's interesting to me how nick curios continues to exhibit such terrible behavior and I'm sure he gets fined. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure someone has, I don't know if anyone has had a talk with him, but he always gets fined um, or he loses points during a match or he surrenders a game, whatever. But at what point are we, or is someone going to just look at this guy and be like, look, you need to get your act together because let's keep it right. Let's keep it real. I couldn't go out there as a professional tennis player and do that because everybody and their mama is going to have something to say about it. If I did it, Nick Kyrgios does it and it's, you know, people have their opinions about it, but no one really addresses this problem. And this, you know, bad behavior in tennis is as old as time. It, it's, you know, if you're old enough to remember John McEnroe every now and then Jimmy Connors had his moments, um, you know, Andre Agassi from time to time, but it wasn't like these explosive rants. Um, and we take a little further even before my time. There was a guy named uh, I think it's Eli Nastasi. So that was way before my time. And this guy, they say he was just a, a piece of work. But I don't know. I just find it interesting that every tournament, you know, he's he and he's as I say, he lost badly. And in his press conference, in his post-match press conference, he's saying stuff like, well, you know, when you're getting beat down, you kind of have to have a way to, you know, kind of, I guess, blow it off or whatever. And I'm kind of going, dude, just take the beating. No one wants to see you act like a spoiled brat because you're losing a match. Just take the beating and walk away. You know, I'm just it's, it's just it's just really tiring to watch. And I'm sure that at this point in time, this is probably not going to be the last time we're going to hear that name and him doing something completely and utterly ridiculous on the tennis court. All right. So that was kind of some quick, a quick, you know, through the sports world. I mean, so much has happened since I've been gone. I mean, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. So shout out to all my fellow sports podcasters, you know, talking Olympics, you know, um, you know, and then of course there's Shakari Richardson and her uh, performance at Prefontaine and, um, yeah, um, with, with her, I, I, look, I, I'm going to hold on to hope that she's going to get get it together. Um, I think folks were really banking on her to do something considering all the 
all of what she went through and then not being able to run the Olympics and then we're waiting and then this disappointing performance at Prefontaine and then of course then everyone's questioning okay is she really one of the fastest in the world um then her press conference she kind of didn't really address it so my whole thing is either you kind of address it or you just kind of don't address it I think she her press conference she was just kind of oh yeah you know whatever whatever and and I think and then of course you know how social media does they went in on her so I, I mean I feel I, I kind of feel bad about that because again I'm I'm holding out on hope that this maybe maybe she did it on purpose I don't know or maybe she won't feel it I have no idea I mean there has to be something as to why she did so badly I mean I don't want to believe that she actually isn't as good as advertised considering we saw her at the Olympic trials many people have been following her career from from college and they, they I mean we've seen her body of work so what happened to her is a complete mystery so now obviously she ran against the obvious fastest people in the world but come on are you that bad so i i don't know i'm kind of holding out hope that maybe this was just a really weird blip on the screen and maybe things will hopefully self-correct as we move forward but we'll we'll have some feeling on that soon enough all right so with that um trying to think what else happened since i've been gone Uh, nothing too much too much i can't um i feel like um everyone that i've listened to has kind of recapped everything i mean i have to kind of get back into WNBA. like i've kind of been a little bit like i've been away away like i've been kind of catching stuff here and there social media is always my uh my window on the world in a lot of ways but um there was one other thing i wanted to mention uh olympics uh it'll come back to me but let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk a little college football. Uh, we'll just kind of run through some of the, you know, what's happening currently. We'll look at the game for Thursday night, a Friday night. Actually, it's a Friday night game. And then we'll come back, recap, and we'll uh, get ready for the Saturday setup um, in this week in college football. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, welcome back. So college football. So so this past weekend they had week. So depending on who you ask, it was week zero. But it, you know, in the ESPN schedule, they have it as part of week one. So I guess last week was week zero. This is officially week one. You know, again, week zero seems to be like the new thing where you have a few spattering of games, not a whole lot of big games. Um, on the docket so ESPN a lot of these other networks are showing a lot of college football but one thing I want to point out and I think I may have talked about this before at least in the last episode or one episode before so at some point before I took my hiatus um, ESPN this past Saturday showed um, North Carolina State and Alcorn State uh, playing in Atlanta so it was the MEAC SWAC Challenge 
So I applaud ESPN for this because, again, they are going to be showing more uh, HBCU football this year. So I believe on the undefeated, they had a long list of games to be shown. So uh, I think in a couple Saturdays from now, uh, it will be uh, Tennessee State versus Jackson State. So I'll definitely be tuning in for that. So I mentioned um, Eddie George, Tennessee State's first year new head coach against uh, Coach Deion, uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. Um, at Jackson State. So North Carolina State won the game 23 to 14. So it was a close game. Um, I didn't have a chance to see it again. It's like, I think by the time the game came on, I was loading boxes into my car, moving, bringing back to my old house, my new house. So, um, but nevertheless, I managed to kind of read up on uh, some of the game notes. So again, look like it was a, you know, a good game for both. Alcorn State's going to take a lot from this game and try to you know um you know kind of improve for their next opponent um as far as college football is concerned i mean let's kind of look at kind of the broad strokes here because one of my grand plans because you know when you do this sort of thing you have this grand plan like i was thinking i want to talk to you know people to kind of get perspective on the different leagues and different conferences again time never uh pans out the way you want it and you know it's okay we will have time to really dissect a lot of what's happening as the season progresses but um i'm kind of broke some of the teams down this way so the usual suspects are always the teams that we first look at so of course alabama's number one in both polls the ap and the coaches poll clemson is right there clemson is number three in the ap and number two in the coaches poll and then of course ohio state which is number four in both polls so those are the three teams that, that everyone's really going to be looking at thinking okay when this is all over, those three teams are going to be in the mix. Now, the next three teams I have, I call them the giant slayers. I don't want to call them the second tier. I don't want to call them, you know, the understudies. I call them the giant slayers. And I think that's the best way I can put it because these are teams that typically we we know the brand, we know the team, we know the program, and in some ways they're in the mix constantly. So Oklahoma. So I think Oklahoma is in the top. Oklahoma's in the top five. Uh, Georgia. So um, I'll come out Georgia in a second. And then Notre Dame. So Notre Dame got some bad news. They lost their linebacker Maris Leofile. So linebacker to ankle injury for the season. So his injury was similar to that of Jalen Waddle's injury. So I believe he's going to have surgery or has had surgery. So last season, 22 tackles, one and a half for loss. Now, this isn't really going to be a huge blow to Notre Dame's defense because they've got a lot of depth at, at that position So, and experience. So they got experience and depth. I think a freshman is going to step into that position, but they've got a lot of backups. So it's gonna, they're going to miss his production because he was slated to have a big season this year. But... It seems as if Notre Dame has just just the right mix of experience that they they really won't feel or I'm sorry, they really won't miss his presence as much. So that's kind of the upside. You don't want to lose anybody to injury, obviously. And we wish, you know, Marist all the best in his recovery. But, you know, next man up, it, every team is next man up mentality. And that's what they're doing. And I think Notre Dame is going to be really solid on the defensive side of the ball. Then there's Georgia. So here's my kind of my, my my observation here with Georgia. When Georgia really isn't in the conversation, and that's rare. So what I mean is with Georgia, they're typically 
in the conversation, but sometimes they're not. So here's Georgia. And you say, okay, talk about the SEC. Georgia's always in the conversation. Nationally, we say, okay, Georgia's in the conversation in the SEC. But then we say, well, there's a probably a pretty good chance they might sneak in the back door. When that's the case with Georgia, I find that they fly under the radar and they surprise everybody. When Georgia is fully in the conversation, we're looking at Georgia. I'm, I got them in, on my giant slayer list. When Georgia's in the conversation, at least from my observation, they have a good season, but they don't finish the deal. So these are three teams that, again, outside of the usual suspects, these are one, three teams I think you know are going to complete the four or may step into a slot that if one of these three usual suspect teams, Alabama, Clemson and Ohio State falter in some way. Then we got the party crashers. So I got Cincinnati again, question mark there, but since he had a great season, the problem here, and I looked at their schedule, is very simple, that their schedule is going to really hurt them because, again, strength of schedule is and should be a big qualifier to get into college football playoff. And they're playing good opponents, but they're not playing the level of opponents like an Oklahoma, a Georgia, a Clemson, that sort of thing. Okay. Then you got Oregon. So Oregon is the team to beat in the Pac-12 this season. But again, I feel like the Pac-12 is going to be, I I feel it's going to be a little bit more competitive. Um, UCLA went to, they were at home and just smacked Hawaii around. So people are kind of thinking, okay, it's kind of turning the corner for Chip Kelly. But I think the Pac-12 season will tell us everything we need to know because, again, Martin Jarman didn't hire Chip Kelly. But Martin Jarman, you know, is kind of waiting to see if Chip Kelly is going to make this work at UCLA or he's going to cut him loose and bring in his own guy. So the Pac-12 season for, for UCLA is going to tell us a lot about them. Um, and then, of course, USC. Is USC going to finally rise to the occasion or are they going to be out looking for a new coach this season? Because USC fans, listen, do not under any circumstances, although he has a job now, do not under any circumstances ask for Urban Meyer. There are other good coaches out there. You got the means and the money. You can bring in any good coach you want to lead this program. So stop asking for Urban Meyer. Again, stop asking for problems you don't need. All right. Um, so the UCLA, USC, Arizona State, I'm going to be real with you. I really thought <laughs> hiring Herm Edwards was a terrible idea. Arizona State's ranked the season. They had a pretty good season last year. I mean, in I think this is what Herm's third or fourth season. Let's see how this goes. I mean, Arizona State might actually make some noise this year. And I'm also interested to see what Judd, Her Judd, I think it's Judd Frisch, Judd Frisch, what he will be doing in Arizona. So, um, they brought him in from, I believe he was an assistant with New England. So um, a lot of expectation, you know, a lot of expectation there in the first year. There, you know, I've been hearing some good things, but we'll see how that's going to go. And then my last party crasher is North Carolina. And I'm going to be talking more about them in a moment. But, I mean, Matt Brown. Matt Brown coached, this is the second go-round with UNC. And he did good the first time. But he did so good that he said, up. I'm going to Texas because they're going to pay me more money and wins the national championship championship at Texas. Okay, great. Everybody who knows Matt Brown knows he's a good coach. I've known this for God knows how long he comes back to UNC and I'm thinking really UNC y'all know something we don't. I mean, obviously you're hiring a good coach. I'm thinking, you know, 
Max, you know, he's a little older. You know, he's been an analyst and was a good analyst and knows the game. Comes back and just recruits, recruits, recruits. And this UNC team is looking fantastic. They are a top 10 team. The expectations are high. Um, They've got a Heisman Trophy candidate in Sam Howell. So, and I believe their defense, they have recruited very well on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they got the offense, but the defense is, I think, has caught up. I mean, not to say their defense wasn't good, but they've really ramped up on that side of the ball. So all that said, UNC, if the pieces fit right, maybe UNC slides in here. We don't know. But again, um, there's a lot of teams out here that are going to make this interesting. And then, of course, we always got to look at, you know, the teams that we aren't talking about because there's always going to be one team in this process that is going to make a run and make a move. And all the while, there's going to be one person out there who's going to know that that team is going to make that move. I don't know who that person is. And I don't know who that team is, but we'll be watching for that team. Everyone will or we'll see it happening. And then we're going to be you know, we're going to gravitate towards that team and we're going to be like, well, what is so special about this team? Why are they so good? And then we're going to watch this process happen over these number of weeks as the college football season just kind of takes off. Um, so I talked about UCLA, um, Nebraska. Oh, my gosh. What is happening in Nebraska? So I would love to talk to a Nebraska fan about not just the X's and O's. I mean, we can see that. But what factors are driving this? Because they go out and hire Scott Frost from UCF and Scott Frost is a Nebraska guy and nothing. It's not working. And the thing I say, if Scott Frost can't get Nebraska right, who can? Because there are so many jobs out here that you say to yourself, if X can't make this work, I said this about Michigan. If Jim Harbaugh can't get Michigan right, who can? Seriously. And it's also something to me that when you see Michigan, Nebraska, um, you know, some of the, you know, um, um, Texas, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's trying to get them kind of back in the conversation and kind of really at in, in the national spotlight. When these programs that we've known for years have produced champions and championships and Heisman Trophy winners, when these programs aren't at their highest level, what does that say? That, that, that's crazy to me. Like, it's, I don't want to say it's bad for college football, but it's just you want to see whether you are a fan of these programs or not. You want to see these programs do well. And that's just me. I want to see these programs do well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they played Illinois. So uh, Brett Bielema is back in Big Ten. He's coaching Illinois. And I've been one of a myriad of people who say he never should have left college. I don't know what he was thinking. But, you know, in NFL, throw you some money, you'll go. Uh, well, wait, wait, he went. No, he went NFL. Then he went to. No, he went to Arkansas, if I recall correctly. Didn't last there. Then he went to. Right. He went to Arkansas. Then he went to NFL. Now he's back in college. So, um, but. Uh, they played Illinois. I think they were at Illinois. So it was a Big Ten game. And my understanding is, you know, Nebraska played pretty well defensively and they played a fairly good game. But it's just they just the, the, towards the end, it's just it just didn't go well. Like the pieces just aren't fitting right. So I, I don't know. Um, I want Scott Frost to succeed because 
he's a Nebraska guy. They hired him specifically for that. If you remember what he did at UCF, he did a great job at UCF. Before that, people were going, UCF has a football team? I mean, everybody outside of Orlando did not know, I'm pretty sure I didn't, that UCF had a football team. And then not only do they have a football team, they got a really good football team, a good football team that is probably going to maybe crash the party and get into the college football playoff. But again, what hurt them there in the group, and they're in the group of five, their schedule was mm, okay. But even when they played fairly good opponents, they were destroying opponents and their then quarterback McKenzie Milton. He's not Florida state. So I haven't heard if he's the starter or not. I don't think Mike Norvell to my knowledge has named the starter at Florida state, but Oh my goodness. It's just, I just I'm, my mind is blown as to, you know, what's happening at Nebraska. But I mean, when you think of Nebraska football, you think of Scott Frost, uh, you think about, you know, uh, the, the black shirt defense, um, you know, th- those things kind of come to my mind. So many great players, Heisman Trophy winners, great coaches, uh, Tom Osborne, Frank Solich, you know, those are the things I think of. And yet. It's just it's it's just not happening. Like it's just I don't know. I, I I'm still trying to spin this around in my mind as to why this is going badly. Um. So before we kind of get into the pick, couple other news and notes from college football. Um. So Texas. Speaking of Texas, a moment ago, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big Twelve. They're going to the SEC. I think that's going to happen within the next two or three three or four seasons from now. Um, it could be sooner. I forget the timeline. And in response to that, the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 formed an, a conference alliance or so three conference alliance. I'm not going to speak too much, speak too much on that right now. I think I'm going to save my comments I'm, I'm, uh, for another time, but I'll get to that later. But it, it says I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this much and, and walk away, but it says a lot about college football when. College athletics in general has changed with, you know, all the new NIL rules. And and I'm here for it. These young men and women are able to make money off their name, image and likeness. And some, you know, sports and basketball and football particular, they're getting really great deals. But nevertheless, they can do these things to help them with their collegiate um, sports um, careers here. But it says so much about the sport when two teams leave a power five conference and three other conferences go, we got to band together because this is about to get crazy. It's like an arms race. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And we'll kind of, I'll kind of pivot back to that a little bit later. Um, West Virginia president Gordon G. So if you know the name Gordon G, he's been the president of probably like seven universities. I know he's been the president of Ohio state twice and the president of West Virginia twice. And I've always been of the mindset that anyone who is a collegiate president should be a collegiate president no more than 10 years. And I know that there are plenty of people who have been presidents four times longer than that of one school. Not going to say who, but you do the math or you do the research, you can figure it out. But he was quoted as saying that the 12 team playoff proposal is in danger. So, again, he said that, but didn't really, from my understanding, didn't really provide a lot of um a background he just kind of said it and so it makes me wonder so this 12 team playoff thing was pushed so quickly and advanced so quickly so now my question is okay 
is this going to happen? Because if it doesn't, I'm happy. I want eight. That's it. I think we go to eight. I mean, I'm serious. I say we I've said this before. I, we go to eight and we stop there because the way that Division one, the FBS is set up. It does not allow. I mean, they could change it, but they probably won't. They could allow for they can allow for the type of playoff that you see in FCS football with what was previously known as one double a FCS football championship subdivision. So FCS, they have a playoff. They have, you know, they rank the teams and they go play, you know, best team at home. And then they have a final uh, final game out in Texas to crown the champion. I think they do in division uh, F um, FCS. And I think they do it in division two and in division three. They do it that way. Um, the FBS, they're not going to, I mean, it took so much to get the CFP going. They're not going to change seasons and align and do all this stuff just to get a playoff. But for me, I think the best we can do is get it to eight teams and that's it. And what that provides, and I've given my plan before, so go back to some older episodes. I've told you how I feel like that should go. But if the 12 team playoff is in danger, good let it die i want it to die just choke the life out of it go back to the drawing board expand this thing to eight and leave it alone stop screwing with it okay um all right so initially at the top i said thursday night so um i'm gonna go ahead and do my friday night pick because i do plan to record again on friday so we'll kind of see how that goes but i do want to give you my friday pick so Friday night, Lane Stadium, Worsham Field in Blacksburg, Virginia. The UNC Tar Heels, number 10 in the nation, five and a half point favorites, visit the Virginia Tech Hokies in Blacksburg. So Friday night in Blacksburg, enter Sandman, the key play, all that good stuff. So it's going to be insane, 6 p.m. ESPN. I like the Tar Heels close. So we talked about Sam Howell a moment ago and how he's a Heisman Trophy candidate and his his stats over – this is his third year. His stats have been gaudy. He is he was just he's been destroying it from a passing standpoint. Um, Virginia Tech, for them, I think this is a very pivotal season. Um, that defense, that, that lunch pail defense that they're known for, they have got to come through. They have got to be tough and nasty. They really got to get at Sam Howell. But I think Sam Howell is going to have really good protection. I don't think he's going to carve this defense up, but I think this is going to be a close game. Um, then it's interesting. It'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see, um, was it Braxton Burmeister, the Virginia tech quarterback? I believe he'll be the starter. So I'm interested to see his progression from last season to now. Um, can he make plays so he can make plays with his arm? He can make plays with his feet. So let's see how this is going to all play out. But I think tech loses this one at home. I think the, uh, stats show us that tech against the top 10, their record is not very good. And I think that's going to continue. UNC, number 10 in the nation, they win this game close. So it's five and a half point favorites. I, I mean, it's probably going to be five points or less. I think it'll be about that for the game on Friday night. And then Saturday, we got a nice slate of games. Um, so I've got one, two, three, five. I got five games for Saturday. So six games total. We'll see how it goes Friday night in Blacksburg as the Tar Heels visit the uh, the Hokies to open the first game, the opening salvo for the 
coastal division of the ACC. And if you follow ACC football, you know the Atlantic division for the last God knows how many years has been Clemson. The coastal division, if I recall correctly, every team in that division has won the title, has won the division title. So you tell me, is that not a pandemonium or not? And that's what you're going to get with the coastal. It's it, it's basically dog eat dog every week, and I love it. The Atlantic, I would love to see somebody else win it, but it in the Atlantic Division, the ACC, it's Clemson's world, and there are, and the rest of the teams are just pretty much living in it until such a time that Clemson is either not as good as they are, which I don't see that happening anytime soon. But until you find a team that can put the beat down on them and take control of the Atlantic division. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that is my show for today, at least for the Tuesday edition of the sports writing podcast. So your host, me, it's uncle dub. Thank you for listening. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. It's uncle dub. I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. Um, I was going to say something else, but I don't remember because it's just, it's just hard kind of getting back into the flow of things, but I'm glad to be back. Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, have you listen, give me feedback, talk to me on Twitter, email me the email, uh, sports, I think it's sports podcast at gmail.com. So that'll be in the show notes. Um, got a lot of great stuff coming at you. Um, got to get back at it cause I've got a lot of ideas and they got to get, on record and <laughs> recorded as soon as humanly possible. But until I talk to you again, my plan is to record Friday, kind of talk to you guys about the, the weekend slate, college football, any news and notes from college basketball, which I feel like there was something, but we'll work on it. And of course, the NFL, because again, Cam Newton getting axed by uh, New England was not something I had on my calendar for the absolute last day of August uh, in the year of our Lord, 2021. So until I talk to you again, so please, uh, we are still in summer. Drink your water, mind the business that pays you, make sure you get vaccinated and wear your mask. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.